0: Our family's getting ready for a wedding. Who would have uh, thought as we were planning uh, the steps up to the wedding uh, starting a year ago that we would have to navigate a wedding through a a corona pandemic and then a hurricane? I mean, what crazy days are these, right? Uh, We have experienced, all of us, everybody in this room, we've experienced crazy, crazy days. My family, we had a brand-new grandbaby born during a coronavirus. We had a brand-new baby born during a coronavirus. I knew that you online were just cheering your guts out because of my baby, my grand new, brand-new grandbaby. So we had that during a, 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 a coronavirus. We, we had our uh, third daughter graduate from college during a coronavirus. And uh, now we're going to have a wedding uh, during coronavirus and and it has been insane. It's been crazy, and I know that you felt that as well. Uh, but one of the things that we've discovered over these past few weeks is that God longs for us to taste joy even in the difficulties of these days. And and as followers of Jesus, we're a people uh, filled with the prospect of joy, regardless the circumstances that come along. And we're going to talk about how to experience that joy today uh, by adding joy by subtracting sin. And, And that's really what I want us to look at. Colossians chapter 3 beginning in verse 5 we see how Paul describes this journey as followers of Christ. We add joy to our lives by subtracting Sin. There are things in our life that are no longer fit for our life. They never have been, but they're especially not fit for our life today. Uh, again, I have four daughters. Most of you, uh, uh, at least in the room, know that I have four daughters, no sons. I have sons in law now. I can say that in the plural sense on Saturday. Uh, Saturday I will have sons in law. And so I'm rejoicing that. But as a father of four daughters and a wife, uh, there have been many days where my children uh, and my wife have come in, having gone shopping or uh, dug in their closet and picked some new clothes, and they come in and, and they've got this new outfit on, and they ask their daddy or their husband, how do I look? And, and I'm telling you, if you didn't know this, please understand, the default answer is always, you look marvelous. Now, here's the thing. I've always meant it because regardless of what uh, my daughters are wearing, I see them through the lens of my love for them. Because I love them, and that it's not a conditional love. It's an unconditional love. Regardless of what they're wearing, I love them. And that love is thick. And that love is strong. And that love doesn't dissipate. Uh, because of their clothes it is a sticking kind of love and it's always available to my girls and so when I say you look marvelous I mean it with my whole heart I love them and I, I see them in the beauty of that love there have been days when I have dug through my closet and picked out certain clothes that I had stuck in there and I come out and I ask them how I look And because they love me, they say, don't wear that again. (laughs) Polyester blue is out. Don't wear that again. Uh, Because they love me and because they have a solid love for me, a love that does not fade over time, because they love me, they're going to tell me the truth about the outfit that I'm wearing and how it is not flattering to me. And today we're looking at the clothes that we need to get out of our closet and to tear out of our lives. Uh, These aren't outfits like jeans or shirts. Uh, These are attitudes and actions that are no longer fit for us because we are followers of Jesus. Because we're followers of Jesus, this week we're going to look at the clothes we shouldn't be wearing, the attitudes and actions. Next week, Tim Whitney is going to share from Colossians five, uh, Colossians 3, and he's going to help us see the clothes that we should wear as followers of Jesus. It's going to be a great passage and a great time. Uh, but, but today we're going to look at the things that we need to cut out of our lives. Now, this is important for us as followers of Christ. Uh, make no mistake, God's love is no less for us, even if the garments that we're wearing, even if the attitudes and actions of our life are inconsistent with His will. God's love is no less for us. We just sang about this, for God so loved the world. What kind of world? A world that was racked by hostility and sin. God's love for us stretches toward us even in our sinfulness, but for us to taste that love in our lives, for us to swim in the river of that love, for us to find the joy of his love for us as followers of Christ, we must get rid of the sin. This is what Jesus is talking about. If you want to just kind of flip over to John chapter 15... In John chapter 15, verses 9 through 11, Jesus describes the kind of life his followers are to have, how that we can add joy to our lives by subtracting sin. In John 15, beginning verse 9, Jesus said, As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide, swim, dwell in my love. Uh, If you keep my commandments you abide in my love. This is verse 10. If you keep my commandments, Jesus said, you abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now verse 11, these things I've spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. We all want to experience joy in life, but in order for us to experience the joy that Jesus died on a cross and was raised from the dead to give us each day from here to heaven to add joy in our life. We must walk the path of obedience. What is the opposite of obedience? Disobedience. And disobedience is sin. The opposite of obedience is disobedience, and disobedience to God is sin. No matter how we couch it or flavor it, no matter how we might dress it up and call it different names, if we are walking a path that is inconsistent with the will of God, revealed by the Word of God, we are living in sin. And even as followers of Jesus, what that does is it steals joy from us. And so the Apostle Paul wants to help us today, and God wants to help us through the pen of Paul to see how to add joy in our lives by subtracting sin. And this is how he begins in verse 5. In verse 5, he he declares this one thing. Therefore, put to death uh, your members which are on the earth. Put to death your members which are on the earth. Verse 8, he says, now these are certain things that you need to put off. And both of these words, to put to death and to put off, one means to kill, the other means to remove, both signal conduct that no longer needs to be part of our life because it is sin. If we're going to add joy in our life as followers of Jesus, we must subtract sin. Paul gives us a list in these passages of, uh, of things that we need to prune from our lives. He's, he's calling us to kill conduct inconsistent with Christ. And, and, and friends, I've got to tell you, as I look around this room and, and as I think about you online, make no mistake, there is sin that you need to kill today. There is sin that we need to remove from our life. And so we're going to uh, uh look at these lists we're not going to look specifically at verse five there's a list of sin in verse five that 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 Paul says we need to get rid of and then and then beginning in verse 8 there's more that we need to get rid of I'm not going to read verse five you can read that on your own um, and thinking about our children uh, at home watching with their parents and thinking about our families in our fellowship hall and even in the room I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna not read verse 5 but you can do that on your own and I'm going to share with us some things that we need to remove, the the poison that that dismantles our joy as followers of Jesus that need to be removed from our lives. Uh, Verse 5, to categorize this list, uh, verse 5 tells us that there are uh, death-dealing desires that we need to remove from our life. These death-dealing desires include appetites that are contrary to the life that God has designed. It includes in the gutter thinking and living. It it includes out-of-control passions, and these passions may be good, but they're out of control. They're out of bounds. It includes evil affections. It includes insatiable selfishness and a consuming ambition that seeks everything for us, and leaves God in the dust. Now those are the, uh, the, the sins in verse 5, these death-dealing desires. Now why are they death-dealing? Because they exalt me as the center of the universe and God to the margin. And friends, that steals, not only steals our joy, but it kills us as followers of Christ. I love watching, um, I love watching uh, different... Uh, Shows uh, on television that uh, are detective type shows, uh, especially on BritBox or Acorn TV, uh, there are these shows that you can stream uh, from uh, Great Britain, BBC type shows, and and I love watching them. And and uh, whether it's Midsummer Murders, I don't know if you've ever watched Midsummer Murders. I love that show. I've watched every episode. Uh, and it 's like 21 twenty two seasons of midsummer murders i 've streamed that i 've watched every single one. I love watching that. Uh, there are eight seasons of the new father Brown there's an older father Brown that I haven't gotten to yet, but the new father Brown again, I love watching it Father Brown is a is an ang- uh, a, a Catholic priest uh, living in Great Britain, and he becomes a sleuth, a detective kind of thing and, and I love watching them because they're tame and it 's easy, and you don't have to worry about stuff. As you're watching them, but there's a lot of murder that goes on, and it's 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 murder. And and one of the things that that people use to murder other people is poison. Now you know what poison is. uh, Most recent uh, Father Brown show that I watched, the poison that killed someone was hemlock. Uh, It is it can be it can be arsenic. It could be all kinds of different things, some special concoction. But, but in order for there to be any remedy or antidote for the poison, you've got to know what the poison is. The same thing holds true for us as followers of Jesus. We need to understand the poison in our life. And make no mistake, disobedience against God is poison. So we've got to name that poison. So just from verse 5, do you have any appetites that are contrary to God's design? Do you have any in-the-gutter living or thinking? Do you have any out-of-control passions that diminish God in your life and exalt something else? Do you have any evil affections? And by the way, if you're a Cowboys fan, that's not being a Redskins fan. That's not, that's not an evil affection. Or, if you're a Redskin fan, that's not being a Cowboys fan. That's not an evil affection. Although some of you might think that. Do you have any insatiable selfishness that looks a lot like idolatry? Now, these death dealing desires need to be removed from our lives so that the joy of Christ's love uh, flows freely through our soul. In verse 8, Paul continues the list, and and he identifies first emotions that are inconsistent with the character of Christ. You look at verse 8, listen to what Paul writes. He He says, but now you yourselves are to put off all these, and he begins with two emotions, anger and wrath. Now, anger and wrath, you might say, well, anger's not a sin. Jesus was angry. Well, Yes, he was, but he was also the son of God. He was divine. Anger is a dangerous emotion. And I'm not saying that every time we're angry, it's sinful. But I can tell you, you are teetering on the precipice of disobedience against God when you let anger become a settled disposition in your soul. Anger... Uh, becomes such a settled disposition, at least what Paul's talking about here. Anger becomes such a settled disposition in your heart and you carry that anger around with you and you nurse that anger in such a way that it spills over into wrath and wrath is boiling outrage. Here's the way I've seen it work in in my life or in the lives of people that I've encountered. They're angry about something that's happened, and they've let that anger sink its roots down into their soul, and they're angry about something that doesn't have anything to do with me or uh, anything going on contemporaneously, but because they're angry about this some other thing, when they encounter me, they blow up with wrath, and they spew their anger all over me in order to hurt me. And it works like that. If I allow anger to be settled in my soul, it, uh, sink its roots down in my soul, so that, uh, so that it, I nurse it and I, I, I think about it, it, it just boils up in me. And eventually, if somebody says good morning, I'm so angry that I spill out in rage in order to hurt the person who said good morning to me. Uh, These are abusive emotions. These are emotions of a jerk. And friends, followers of Jesus should never be a jerk. It's just that simple. And, And this is what is so concerning when... When we read the timelines and Twitter feeds and social media of some followers of Christ, you are doing everything but displaying this wondrous love that Jesus has poured out on you. By the way, John 15, verse 11, he says, He says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy might remain in you and your joy might be full. John 15, 12, Jesus says, This is my command, that you love one another even as I have loved you. What happens is we let anger and wrath become the dominant emotion in our life so that we abuse people with our jerkiness, and we still think that we're okay with God. And God is telling us today, when you have abusive emotions, not just death-dealing desires, but you have abusive emotions, it is inconsistent with the character of Jesus and it subtracts joy from your life as well as the lives of the other people. Well, one of the things I've discovered is when we uh, grow older as followers of Jesus, as, as, as we grow older, period, what we do is we like to excuse um, our abusive emotions. Well, we, we cover it in different neat little words and phrases or we just act well I'm I'm 52 or 62 or 72 or 82 or 92 I can say anything I want to say. Well not if you're a follower of Jesus you can't. There is no excuse for a follower of Jesus not to behave like a follower of Jesus. And there's no excuse for a follower of Jesus to be a jerk to other people, to have abusive emotions that flow out. And the reason I know this is about relationships, or the wrath and the malice, is because the, the remaining parts of the list in verse 8 are relational. Again, look at verse 8. He says, he says you yourselves are to put off these things, anger, wrath, and then malice, blasphemy, Filthy language out of your mouth, do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man and his deeds. The abusive emotions lead to destructive words. These words that come from anger and wrath seek to diminish others, to push them down, to make them feel less than, or to demolish others. All in the, sometimes, in the, even in the name of Jesus, malice is a vicious attitude that intends harm toward others with a ferocity of speech. Slander is promoting uh, information about another person in order to put them in a bad light or ruin their reputation. Filthy language, which my mom always told me was cussing, uh, here probably not cussing. Uh, This is using words, crooked words, in order to hurt or harm another person. Lying is telling lies in order to uh, get yourself ahead at the expense of others. Each one of these characteristics, actions, garments of clothing need to be dismantled from the follower of Jesus because they do not live up to the name that Jesus has given us. It's like me walking out on my daughter's wedding day in a, a polyester powder blue tuxedo with big blue bow tie and ruffles for a shirt and think, that's okay. Okay. Some of us as followers of Jesus, we're wearing clothes that are not appropriate for a follower of Jesus. And we wonder why it is we're so miserable. We wonder why it is we're so bitter as followers of Christ. It's because we're subtracting joy from our life while adding sin. You've got to name it. What is the name of the sin that's taken hold of your life. These pet sins that we like to that that we like to nourish, these sins that we confront every day, whether they're death-dealing desires or abusive emotions, or whether they're uh, uh, destructive words, these are sins in our life that we can see and we can name. You wanna add joy, you've got to subtract those sins. And it needs to begin right now. We've got to name the poison that needs to be removed. And as we name the poison that begins to be re- that needs to be removed, then we embrace the new life and reject the old way of life. You see, there is a new way of life and an old way of life. The new way of life is the life that Jesus has given us through his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. It is life as part of God's family, because we placed our faith in Jesus, because we were brought from darkness to light, because our hearts were transformed by God's grace, we now live in intimacy with God the Father. And there is a way of life that we should walk. That's why Jesus said in John 15, uh, if, if, if you obey my commands, you're, you're sinking your roots in my love. It, it's, it's a way of life that we are to live as followers of Christ. And when we walk in that new life, and when we cut off that old life, our joy is increased. But here's what happens as followers of Jesus. We like to embrace the old life and remove or reject the new life. You might say, well, I don't do that. Well, yeah, every time you sin, you do that. Every time I sin, I do that. And I know we don't like to think so specifically about our own lives. But, friends, that's what needs to happen here and now. Whether it's sins of the hands or the heart or the tongue or the mouth or the head or the mind. Whether it's abusive emotions, death-dealing desires, or destructive words. We need to name that sin so that we can remove it and embrace the new life that Jesus died for on a cross, and rose from the dead to give us. And There's a song that I uh, grew up listening to in, uh, in, in the 80s, maybe the early 90s. Uh, uh, that's 1980s and 1990s. I know I need to specify that. Uh, but uh, there's a country song, and and this guy named Randy Travis, and some of you all know who he is. Some of you don't know who he is. But if you don't know who he is, uh, get, get a playlist and listen to some of his songs. He had a great voice and, and, and sang some great songs. But, uh, but Randy Travis sang a song called Digging Up Bones. And as I was, uh, as I was uh, preparing my heart for this message, God just really led me to this song, not because it's spiritual in any way. It just reminds me that this is the way that we live our lives so often as followers of Jesus. I'm going to change one word in the lyric of this song to fit what Paul is saying in this passage. Uh, I'm digging up bones, I'm digging up bones, exhuming things that's better left alone. I'm resurrecting memories of a life that's dead and gone. Tonight I'm sitting alone, digging up bones. And as followers of Jesus, we dig up bones, resurrecting memories and actions and attitudes of a life that's dead and gone. If then you were raised with Christ, set your mind on things above, not the things on the earth what Paul said at the beginning of this chapter we we are dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus so we need to embrace the new life we need to put on the new wardrobe of a follower of Christ and we need to remove and prune and cut off that old way of life so that's good information how do we do it now here's the action steps just the action steps I want to encourage you to take. If we're going to embrace the new life that Jesus has given us and we're going to reject the old life, it's going to start with surrender. Now, I'm talking to followers of Jesus today and, and I want you to hear this as a follower of Jesus. If you're going to add joy and subtract sin, it begins with surrender. You've got to surrender. Once you name the poison, you've got to surrender that poison into the hands of Jesus. Once you name that sin, you've got to surrender that sin into the hands of Jesus. You've got to give Jesus the pruning shears and let him lop off that conduct, that that attitude, those actions from your life. It begins with surrender. It begins, oh God, I know that this This attitude that I'm holding on to, these words that I consistently say, uh, the the demeaning that I do in my relationships, the dismissing that I do with uh, my spouse or my children, I I know that that is sin. I've excused it. I've, I've painted it in all kinds of different flavors and colors, but it is still sin. And so, Jesus, today, I surrender myself to you, and I acknowledge this sin If you want to add joy and subtract sin, it starts with surrender. Not only do we surrender ourselves to Jesus, give Him... uh, And By the way, there is something um, powerful that begins to happen as a follower of Jesus when you go ahead and acknowledge this is sin. That's what David did. If you read Psalm 32 or Psalm 51, both Psalms uh, describe David's journey from, uh, from not naming his sin to going ahead and naming his sin. He said, when I kept silent, my bones grew old through their uh, mourning all the day long. And he goes on, he says, but I acknowledged my iniquity and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Friends, we've got to, we've got to, surrender the specific sins to Jesus. Give him the pruning shears and let him chop them off. Secondly, we've got to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. You want to embrace the new life and reject the old? You've got to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Now, I know we're a Baptist crew, um, and we could learn a lot from our more charismatic brothers and sisters when it comes to the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. As followers of Jesus, we find power to leave sin dead in our lives when we cooperate with the Holy Spirit, when we follow the direction of the Spirit revealed clearly in the Word of God, but also when we uh, follow the direction of the Holy Spirit through our seasons of prayer and, 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 uh, and, and devotion and even singing praise or even times of worship, when we hear the Spirit say to us, walk this way, go left, not right, do this, not that. Go here, not there. And when we follow the inspiration of the Spirit of God in line with the Word of God, that's that, that. some of y'all are being theologians right now. Hear my language. When we follow the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in line with the Word of God, then we find power to keep the old life dead. To add joy by subtracting sin. That's what Paul's talking about in Galatians chapter 5. He says, "...walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh." It's the Spirit of God, the very presence of God residing within us who enables us and equips us and empowers us every single day, empowers us as people surrendered to Jesus to say no to sin and yes to God. We need to cooperate with the Spirit. And the third thing, so we, we, it starts with surrender. We give our sin up to Jesus. We name it. We acknowledge it and we let him have control of it. We cooperate with the Spirit again, an act of submission and surrender. We, we, we uh, 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 say, uh, God, you've revealed by your Spirit through your Word how I should live and I'm submitting myself to you. Spirit of God, will you guide me today? Will you direct my thoughts? Will you, uh, will you correct my steps? Will you help me see what is sin and righteousness and judgment? And then the third thing is, how about let's begin right now? Let's not wait for Monday or Tuesday or Friday or Saturday or next Sunday. How about let's begin right now, adding joy to our lives by subtracting sin. So right now in the room and online, I'm going to ask you to just enter into a posture of worship and prayer before a holy God. Will you have the courage today, O follower of Jesus, to name the poison that is killing your joy, to name the sin that is so dominant in your heart and mind and life and words and actions and deeds. Will you join me in naming that sin? Write it down on a piece of paper, put it in the margin of your Bible. What is that sin? Paul had a list, but that's not an exhaustive list. As God is speaking to you right now, O child of God, what is he telling you about your sin? What is it? Name it. As you name your sin, would you right now in this moment of response, will you say, Jesus, I acknowledge that this is sin. I've covered it and I've made excuses for it. I've, I've called it other things, but I know this attitude that I have, these words that I say, these actions that I'm doing. I know that it's sin. God, I confess that it is sin. So Jesus, right now, I give you this sin. You've died for it on the cross so that I might walk in the newness of life. But I know that as I hold on to this sin, I'm walking in disobedience to you. So I give you this sin. And I'm asking you, oh God, to kill it. To remove its sting from my daily walk. To remove its power from my daily life. I surrender my sin to you. As you've named it, as you've surrendered it. Now, will you cooperate with the Holy Spirit from this point forward? Spirit of God, I know that there are places where sin is more likely to take hold of my heart. I pray that you would protect me from those places. I know that there are certain relationships where I am more inclined to embrace sin. I pray that you would Give me wisdom in those relationships. God, I know that that there are uh, stress points in my life that make me more susceptible to specific sin in my life. And so I pray that you would guard my heart in the midst of those stress points. But most of all, O God, in heaven, by your Spirit, will you immerse my heart in your love. As I walk in obedience to you, as I live in the joy of sweet fellowship with you through obedience to you, I pray that I might be overwhelmed with your love. That I would swim and soak in your love. O Spirit of God, will you apply the love of the Godhead to my soul as a a soothing ointment that gives me courage and gives me hope, that gives me strength when sin's siren call begins to ring in my ears? As we've named our sin and as we surrender our sin, as we cooperate with the Spirit of God, oh God, will you add joy? The joy of your love in our lives, the joy of your presence manifest in our families and in our homes and in our relationships and in our church as we give ourselves wholeheartedly to you, as we put on the wardrobe of new life, as we jettison the wardrobe of the old life, as we kill the character and the conduct of appetites and and emotions and words that are inconsistent with Jesus. Oh, may we bask in your love. now for all who gathered here who belong to you oh God I pray your power in their lives today and in mine that that we would see the scissors cutting away the garments of that old life and we would experience the joy of your righteousness flowing and swirling around us and through us and in us. Now be glorified. In this moment as we worship you, be glorified. As we bend our hearts toward you, be glorified. So that whatever we do or whatever we say, that we would do and say everything, living up to the name of Jesus. And may we be filled with overflowing, abundant joy. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.